0: Welcome to General Snobbery. Today we discuss the foibles of Jurassic World, a nearly incomprehensibly bad film. Brought to you by Hoffman Hams.
1: There's a feeling my life's been shaken out of control. It's arising from the depths of meaning I never know. A feeling that shines in the front of my mind I'm gonna speak it out at the fireside And in the morning, we'll all be snopping the whole way
0: home. Okay, well, welcome to another episode of General Snobbery where the topic of the day is the 2015 movie Jurassic World.
1: Jurassic World, directed by one Colin Trevorrow or something. Um, no yeah. one really knows much about him except that he's going to be directing the third Star Wars in the Disney Star Wars reboot.
0: So basically, it turns it, it. seems that he's sort of a Hollywood action-packed golden child. Um, that'd be my diagnosis.
1: Uh, he's bald, and according to the <laughs> according to the like mini documentary that comes with Jurassic World, he is a huge fan of Jurassic Park and worked pretty one-on-one with Steven Spielberg throughout this process.
0: Yeah, and he got to know um, uh, sort of the process by (laughs) which the first Jurassic Park was made with the animatronics and whatnot. Ah, Uh, yes. Though though they make, at best, a slight tiny cameo in Jurassic World.
1: (laughs) So in Jurassic World, I think of animatronics when I think of the dead, like, brontosaurus, brontosauri, like, laid scattered about the field after, you know, Chris Pratt's, like, it's killing him for sport when he realizes that the Indominus Rex is just murdering dinosaurs now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. The Indominus Rex, which is easily a, a sociopath of a dinosaur <laughs> genetically created by the Asian guy from Jurassic Park <laughs>
1: right. in order to meet the demand for more thrills.
0: Yeah. What a concept. <laughs>
1: yeah. So Jurassic world, we are going to, uh, in typical gener- general snobbery style, uh, we're going to deconstruct it and hopefully find a lot of joy. And um, that's pretty much it. Maybe we'll talk about Jurassic
0: Park too. <laughs> yeah, so at some point that'll come in. But um, but of we'll course,
1: st- we have to quickly establish one thing that we forgot to establish in the first episode is that this is a snob. We are snobbing. We are not reviewing Jurassic World.
0: That's true, yeah. We're not going to give you sort of our critique and tell you its merits and its flaws. We're just going to basically um, tell you its flaws. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, so let's let's jump right into this and um, let's get a little synopsis of what exactly this movie is about. So, Sean, how about we start with you? You give us, you know, your brief little uh, plot uh, rundown.
1: Okay. Uh, Jurassic World, in my mind, is about... Um, two annoying kids who earn <laughs> who earn no sympathy. It is about basically them getting stranded and lost in a really seemingly planned out type of manner uh, in a theme park that should have precautions for the types of situations that they end up getting in. Um, it is about how Chris Pratt is being marketed as a big Hollywood star, And it has something to do with uh, the fact that the American population is no longer thrilled. And in order to be thrilled, we for some reason need like a metafictional send up of Jurassic Park to like deconstruct the problem of being thrilled while still trying to be Jurassic Park at the same time in order to resuscitate the lost magic of those those 90s blockbusters that Steven Spielberg brought about. That's kind of what it's about in my mind. How about you, Matt?
0: Yeah, that's good. That pretty much sums it up. And now that, as you were saying that, I was thinking, I don't think there's any adequate way to actually explain what this movie's about because it's just, it's one, uh, like, uh, dumb vignette after another. Just, I think as I watched this movie, I remember thinking, (laughs) wow, that scene was very dumb. I'm excited for the next one to be less dumb. And then constantly (laughs) I was surprised as each one outdid the previous one.
1: Is there any scene... Oh, sorry, you were you were about to continue no your no synopsis. go
0: ahead. I, that's that's probably my that's probably the <laughs> gist of my synopsis.
1: I, I was going to ask you if there's any scene that stands out kind of above the rest that really shines as the official dumbest scene of Jurassic World. Oh, that's man. even possible to quantify.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be very hard. <laughs> um, well, one that I I was just rewatching some scenes, and one that I found particularly dumb was. So there's this bad guy. I don't know his name in the movie. He He's just... He's the epitome of evil. Gomer Pyle from Full Metal Jacket.
1: Also known as the bug from Men in Black.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sugar water!
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: he is, I guess, leading this uh, military force. I mean, if I were to explain this to someone who'd never heard the movie, they would say, you're not explaining a real movie. You're just... You're making this up. You're on drugs or something yeah. like that. But... <laughs> he is supposed to uh, help train velociraptors to become United States military uh, weapons, which if this were a good movie, I'd say, wow, that's a metaphor for drone warfare or something like that. But in reality, um, there there was not enough kind of uh, political thought to go into this movie to make yeah. such a connection. And inter- but-
1: interestingly enough, he does address the drone warfare at some very subtle part where he's arguing with someone yeah and he basically Mm -hmm. says that drones aren't good enough we need raptors (laughs) (laughs) these are the drones aren't accurate enough or something and they can't go out in combat or something so therefore we really need these raptors
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah these raptors they don't they don't destroy whole schools they just run through the school and kill the bad guys
1: (laughs) and they, and they listen to chris pratt who is pretty much on our side (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, Chris Pratt, um, absolutely, with his um, little, like, dog clicker that they never explain. They're just supposed to—we're just supposed to know that, like, ooh, that thing's important.
1: Right. I was amazed by that, too. So, in terms of plot, Chris Pratt plays a guy named Owen, and he is an ex-Navy SEAL, as evidenced by the scene when uh, Bryce Dallas Howard asks him to, like, smell the tracks of the lost children, and he's like, I was in the Navy, not the Navajo! So he was actually a a Navy SEAL. He was not, in fact, a Navajo Indian, in case anyone was, you know.
0: That was going into the movie, that was my burning question. I was really hoping to find out.
1: (laughs) Is Chris Pratt really Native American?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I have a theory, just a fan theory, that he's a Navajo.
1: (laughs) So he is training velociraptors, apparently, for a cause that he doesn't even support which is led by (laughs) Gomer Pyle, who, as Matt has mentioned, is the epitome of bad. And his name in the film is Hoskins.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is a good name. It is a good name. Bob Hoskins was a great actor. Yes. Um,
1: Um, He was in Hook, am I not... Mistaken. Yeah, yeah. He was He was Smee, he was
0: Smee yeah.
1: Okay. You know um, who's also in Hook is uh, Glenn Close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Hashtag
0: Glenn Close fact.
1: <laughs> just tune into our first episode if you'd like more elaboration upon that. Uh,
0: yes, please do. Uh, but anyway, so Hoskins, sorry, uh, just back to my real quick dumbest scene. When, when the velociraptors toward the end of the movie are chasing the Indominus Rex... Again, if I were to describe this to someone, they would just say, "What you're—you're you're just making up words." But the Velociraptors are chasing the Indominus Rex, and they're sort of the geeky millennial guy who wears the Jurassic Park shirt. He's in the yeah, kind the of throwback the, guy, the throwback guy. Yeah, yeah. he—he's not important to the movie. He's simply nostalgia <laughs> for millennial generation people. Right. Um, and he's just—he's the only comic, well, not the only comic relief but he's comic relief, whatever.
1: Yeah, and pretty much the only comic relief.
0: Yeah. Equip yeah. here or there by Bryce Dallas Howard or whatnot. But uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so just to prove how bad of an asshole, uh, we'll maybe bleep that out, um, <laughs> Hoskins is, <laughs> to prove how much of a jerk he is, while the they're watching the Velociraptors chase the Indominus Rex, he steals this guy's soda the throwback guy and starts drinking it <laughs> just to prove how much of a jerk he is, which I, I can only imagine that that was like a last minute ad lib call by Tevararo, the director. Uh, I know that we'll I know that. that's not his name. Yeah. Trevorio. Um, I know that was a last minute call where it's like, hey, Gomer Pyle. How about you drink his soda just so the fans know that you're a bad guy, even though it was clear from the second you walked on screen <laughs> right. that you were the bad guy.
1: Yeah, now you're like, descending into a new level of assholery by picking on the throwback guy who is clearly only in the movie for us to like. <laughs> and he has like those little plastic dinosaurs set up on his like computer.
0: Yeah, he's such a little geek who watched the first Jurassic Park movie and was so excited to get a job there and you just steal his stupid soda.
1: (laughs) The soda which has like Jurassic World logo on it. And he's like smiling as he does it. Like it's very clear that Hoskins played by Private Pyle or the bug, or that guy (laughs) from like CSI LA or something. (laughs) He's definitely (laughs) one of the CSIs.
0: Yeah, Uh, he is.
1: Um it's very clear that he is a complete sociopath and a complete sadist because every time something bad happens, the camera, Trevor Rio's camera will slowly like zoom in on his face and he'll just like crack this really sly smile. Like, yes, yes. it's all going to plan.
0: <laughs> yeah. My evil plan is finally coming true. <laughs> yeah. So- yeah. And. Oh, but I just uh, want to say one, one more thing about Hoskins, something that. Um. Something that this movie does have for us is since it's predictable beyond belief, you know that the second, the very first second you see him, I think my first thought when I saw him was, okay, this guy's going (laughs) to die. And he does end up dying. He's the Raptors turn on him, right? His baby. Oh, because he tries to be the alpha too soon. (laughs) What a lesson for everyone.
1: earn their trust from birth. Like Chris Pratt, who is a (laughs) Navy SEAL. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we're really all over the place with this, which is a lot of fun. And, um, Mm -hmm. I know at one point, Matt, you mentioned that when Chris Pratt is training these velociraptors, he uses this strange clicking thing. Uh, I actually was very observant as to like how Chris Pratt is effectively training one of the most notorious villains of cinema history from Jurassic Park when they're probably more terrifying than the T-Rex because they're incredibly smart and they even mm-hmm. outsmart that British guy, you know, who's yeah, like...
0: Yeah, because they remember.
1: <laughs> Clever girl! And then they just destroy him. <laughs> uh, but Chris Pratt apparently has more knowledge than that guy, who is amazing. And mm-hmm. he, he's able to train and render these raptors submissive by, like you say, clicking, by holding his hand out, and by not blinking. Basically yeah. just staring them in the eye, holding his hand and saying, Hey! Hey! whoa stand down stand down
0: i see you over there <laughs> yeah he offers them he trains them by giving them commands that a human being who speaks english gives to another human being <laughs> who also speaks english these animals don't speak english they speak their little like barking sound
1: he's <laughs> exactly. yeah and for some reason they listen to him
0: mm-hmm. and it's just they kind of want to eat him but they also listen to him
1: yeah right right he crouches low he puts like one hand behind his back He's almost in like three-point stance as if he's an offensive lineman, like ready to like take them on. But they respect him for apparently reasons that we're just supposed to accept at the get-go.
0: Yeah, it's it's really amazing to see the uh, relationship between Chris Pratt, known as Owen, and these velociraptors where he's sort of there. He kind of dominates them. He trains them. Then eventually they're totally on his side and and he's riding a motorcycle with them. Then they turn on him in typical bad movie fashion. Not enough drama, so they have to create it with double crosses and stuff like that. Right. And then they're on his side again, and it's like they stare at him. You know, there are scenes when the velociraptors are staring at him in the, in the eyes, and we're supposed to think like, oh, my God, a real connection. But I like to think that in reality they're just discerning. Should I eat this asshole? <laughs> <laughs> and then that one probably would have eaten him when they
1: have like a probably ten second stare down, but then someone just like snipes it with a rocket launcher from the distance and kills it. <laughs> so it's right. It can't quite kill him. And then in the end, so yeah, they do that double cross thing. Um, and it's at that point that Chris Pratt finally realizes that the Indominus Rex is part Raptor, part T-Rex. So it's like a hybrid of the two villains of Jurassic Park. And, because it can apparently communicate with the raptors. That's right. And then they're does immediately its little friends. barking thing. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And so then, they join.
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I was just saying. And then at the end, they just like turn on the Indominus Rex again. They're just like, yeah, I do like Chris Pratt after all. He doesn't. He doesn't bully us like this big guy.
0: Yeah, this big guy bullies <laughs> us. At least Chris Pratt has a clicker. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. God, talking about this plot twist, if you can call it that, in this movie literally just made me tired it is so idiotic <laughs> that my brain just kind of stopped working and we haven't even talked about bryce dallas howard luring out the t-rex oh, know, as an I, homage I to dr ian malcolm <laughs> jeff goldblum
1: but one, one final irony while we're just kind of finishing this thread of the raptors and the indominus rex is that in the end like they're about to get destroyed these people and you hear this raptor call in the distance like Burr! Like that weird <laughs> weird raptor noise. And then it like runs in to save the day as the Indominus is like about to kill the T-Rex. And so the raptor saves the day. So in the end, Hoskins was right all along. We need these raptors.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> saves the day. <laughs> yeah, turns out Hoskins, as much of a jerk and sociopath as he was, was correct. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> I think... Uh not to not to sort of go off on some crazy tangent but for me this movie is kind of a metaphor for everything that's happening in Hollywood and this sounds like way too preachy but i ah, got talking never mind talk about these plot twists literally drained my brain too much i don't even <laughs> right. think i can go there it's... but i'll give a quick like 30 second version uh the movie is all about how people aren't satisfied with what used to uh make people excited so For example, something like the original Jurassic Park that had animatronics and how people nowadays want more. And so they create this new dinosaur, the Indominus Rex, which for me is sort of a metaphor for CGI, which this movie is about 95% CGI. (laughs) I think even scenes of people's faces were probably CGI. And it's just basically like at the end, the horribly CGI T-Rex wins and gives an homage to the first Jurassic Park with its little growl. And... And ultimately, we're supposed to say something like, see, old-fashioned is better, when in reality, the whole movie was just this whole stupid montage of (laughs) just dumb CGI and throwback jokes. And, you know, maybe it'd be fun to to take a couple minutes to talk about ways Jurassic Park 1 was referenced in this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, The first one that comes to my mind is when the two kids... Well, first of all, the fact that there's two kids who you're right (laughs) in a really bad situation uh the two kids end up like stumbling upon the old like visitors lobby when one gets into jurassic park like you know where richard attenborough leads them in the original movie and there's a big Mm -hmm. t-rex skeleton and the big sign that comes down at the end like when dinosaurs ruled the earth and they're able to like the older brother picks up a bone from that constructed skeleton and the actual banner itself and then lights it on fire as a torch like hey the <laughs> the guiding light of jurassic park from 93 will lead us onward through this confusion and then they stumble upon like the jeeps and all of a sudden this, that's right they insert this backstory that this kid is basically a professional mechanic oh, like, of course They're <laughs> like hey remember that time we had to fix grandpa's jeep or something and then he just like oh my God. fixes it and they drive off in it so that's, that's there were the so form. many uh
0: so many attempts in this movie to make the audience sympathize with the kids but it was impossible. Yeah. They were just they were just too bland. Right. <laughs> and even though everyone knew they weren't going to die, everyone hoped they would, right? I would uh, I
1: don't want to put words into your mind listeners, but I assume you did as well. Um everyone also probably hoped that the British woman would die and she did, but I don't think anyone hoped that She would die that gruesome of a death.
0: Wow, that is that was a bizarre thing that happened.
1: Yeah, that's the only unpredictable part of the movie is just... I think I clocked it, and it was about 47 seconds of that movie was devoted just to the brutal and gruesome death at the hands of, I think, three different dinosaurs of that British woman.
0: Yeah, and she did nothing wrong. She, She was the assistant, if you remember, and... It was her job basically to watch after the two kids for a little bit. And she was fine. There was nothing annoying about her. She sort of looked like Kira Knightley, but God knows Kira Knightley wouldn't take that kind of role. And
1: <laughs> These days she might. <laughs> <laughs> Post Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> so basically when the pterodactyls attack, they pick her up and throw her around in the air like a lacrosse ball for a little bit. Drop her in the big water cage with the mosasaur. Yes, the mosasaurus. Mosasaurus. Yeah. Yeah. Why did I even think the name of that dinosaur was relevant?
1: <laughs> oh, it's relevant, Matt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's shy. Remember that mosasaur is kind of shy, according to the lady, <laughs> yeah. um, as it eats a great white shark.
1: Yeah, yeah. As which to tie it back to your idea of you know, uh, audiences in t- contemporary America need bigger thrills that is apparently like a throwback to Jaws, you know, in the 1975 thrilling blockbuster where the great white shark is this horrible nemesis and everyone's thrilled by it. But in contemporary society, it has to just be bait for a gigantic aquatic dinosaur. And it's also an allegory for like SeaWorld. So, <laughs> You're right. Like Drones, several things was.
0: SeaWorld.
1: God. And I do have to, uh, do have to pull a, Pull a fast snob on you, Matt, and correct you. That's those uh, apparently those flying dinosaurs are not pterodactyls, as okay. I discovered in my Wikipedia research. They are two different types of dinosaurs. One of them is called a pteranodon, and the other is like it begins with a D or something. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that I guess I think in Jurassic Park three there's pterodactyls and they're like one of the big enemies in that. So they have to make them distinct, I guess. And I don't know, apparently there's not much evidence that pteranodons were even carnivores. Like, they ate a lot of insects and stuff. But apparently in Jurassic
0: World... Teversaro's world.
1: (laughs) World of Trevelyan. They (laughs) basically want to just destroy every human that they see, especially this British woman.
0: Yeah. My guess would be that the filmmakers, they probably said they had a meeting. They probably had thousands of meetings when making this movie. And they probably said, listen, everyone knows what a pterodactyl is. We can't be cliche. Let's use some different flying dinosaurs. So they just looked up. They probably went to Google and said, what are some flying dinosaurs? And they just picked the first two. Right.
1: Exactly. And I'm sure that when they had the idea of like an aquatic dinosaur, they were like, what is a big aquatic dinosaur? And then there's like a Wikipedia page about the Mosasaurus. And they're like, all right, perfect. Perfect yeah, nice, that could eat a shark. (laughs) Get that thing CGI'd right now. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: quick, kill that British woman because she did nothing.
1: She is very snobby, though. Like, she is probably... She's kind of a jerk. Yeah, of all the characters in that movie, she would belong most on this podcast because, Mm -hmm. I mean, there are many characters throughout that movie who seem quite annoyed pretty much all the time, but she is definitely the most annoyed that You're she right. does not want to be watching these kids. She's on her phone, and there's even a brief blip where she's talking about her upcoming wedding and how she doesn't want her fiancé to have a bachelor party because his friends are animals.
0: <laughs> so that she's oh about to gosh. be married,
1: and she dies this brutal death.
0: <laughs> gosh, it's just, it just doesn't fit anything in the movie. There's no other brutal death. Ex- yeah. Right? I mean, um, and at least for much. a character. Nothing like I mean, that. She's, yeah. She's clearly mean. She's not maybe a nice woman, but, uh, her, I mean, her point in the movie was also useless. So I don't know why they, I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, wow, she's swimming. And the only way out of that pool is to quickly swim out. Or, I mean, first she's dive bombed by these pterodons and then she's eaten <laughs> while being eaten by a dinosaur. I, it's just, <laughs> it's weird.
1: Yeah. She's, in, I think within like the beak of the pteranodon, which is, Basically like a pelican's mouth with sharp teeth. And then the Mosasaurus comes out of nowhere and eats them both.
0: Yeah, and it eats them just like it ate that shark by jumping out of the water.
1: (laughs) And just like it eats the Indominus Rex at the end, when it apparently saves the day by leaping out of its cage, wrapping the Indominus Rex around the neck, and yanking it into the water.
0: Jeez, that thing, I mean, it's a big dinosaur. It ate a lot of food that day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, Matt. Now, I have to say, I'm having a strange reaction talking about this. I find myself getting more angry at this movie the more <laughs> I realize how dumb it is.
0: Yeah, for me, it, it sort of reminds me of an onion because there's just layer after layer, and it just uh, it gets. I, I mean, yeah,
1: I would just, have to say, say a rotten onion because like the external layers may seem like, oh, okay, yeah, this doesn't smell mm-hmm. too bad, but then the closest you get, closer you get to the middle, it just stinks.
0: It's, yeah, and it just burns your eyes.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Now, maybe I, could, maybe I could lighten up the anger with a little anecdote about Jurassic Park 3, if you don't mind. Please. So Jurassic Park 3 is the movie I've seen the most in theaters.
1: <laughs> three
0: times? Uh, three times. I, have I told you the story before? No,
1: it was just a guess.
0: Okay, yeah, good guess. So there are probably a couple movies I've seen twice in the theaters, but Jurassic Park I saw three times in the theaters... And here's the real kicker. I saw it twice in one day. (laughs) So I forget what happened. I think I had promised to see it with a friend. And then I'd also promised to see it with a cousin. And it just so happened that the only time they were available was the same day. So I think I saw like a matinee. And then I saw like an an evening, like an evening showing of it. And um, probably of all the Jurassic Parks, that's probably the one you only need to see once at most. And yet I saw it twice in a day
1: that's that's remarkable did you did you enjoy it
0: i think so it was neat with the pterodactyls you learned more about the uh the speaking sort of the language of the um it was um it was it was dumb it was very dumb um but still somehow less dumb than, than Jurassic World, because Jurassic World probably took about 15 years of planning, and I think Jurassic Park 3 probably took about a year of planning and shooting and right. probably cost about a fraction of the price.
1: Right. I think the biggest budgetary thing for Jurassic Park 3, other than... Maybe the CGI was Sam Neill's like, stipend for appearing again as Dr. Grant.
0: <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. You're right. That has to be it.
1: <laughs> That's probably the least blockbustery of the three. Um,
0: yeah, you're right. It's fact, dark can, and boring.
1: Yeah, I don't think we can even assume that our listeners, if we have any, have even seen Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> yeah. You're we can right. definitely assume they've seen Jurassic Park, and if they're listening to this, probably Jurassic World, but. I don't mm-hmm. think we even need to mention Jurassic Park two, except that Jeff Goldblum's in it, which is great. Yeah. Um, Jurassic Park three, though, is kind of like throwing William H Macy, Sam Neill, and a bad Ta- guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Ta- 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 Leone. Yeah, Ta- Leone yeah. Into some island where apparently there's a lot of dinosaurs.
0: Yeah. It's that's about that's it that's the movie. <laughs> yeah. The people you think are gonna die die. The people you know are gonna live live. Happy ending.
1: Right, right. Boy, I feel like my brain's on overload with all the directions we can go. Maybe we could quickly um, recount where we are in Jurassic World. So,
0: So we've talked about Hoskins. He's a jerk. We've talked about the British woman who dies.
1: Yeah. So our plot is basically that Jurassic Park is open in the future because they responded to everything that went horribly wrong in Jurassic Park, and they made it an operational theme park, even though they never say exactly how long it's been open. But apparently it's successful. There's no problems. Mm -hmm. And um, we have two kids who earn no sympathy, who apparently apparently their parents are getting divorced. But But
0: that doesn't garner any sympathy still. Right. I don't know how they failed to do that.
1: Yeah. It's like some really amateur screenwriter named Colin Trevorrow was sitting down and he was like okay we need uh sympathy because for some reason in Jurassic Park the audience cares for these characters. So people will sympathize with other people when they're going through divorce or when f- their family's going through divorce. So we have two kids and their parents are going through divorce. And then he like checked Good. sympathy right. off the list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: wrote the script. Yeah. yeah right. They just had a list of emotions. They were like sympathy, fear, <laughs> happy. <laughs> And then like product placement. And those are the four things that they needed to accomplish in making this movie.
1: And it becomes so uneven when it gets into like the whole meta commentary on like, you know, audiences needing thrills these days because it seems like they're actually trying to get sympathy in those moments. Like it's not a joke. When this kid all of a sudden just starts crying. He's like, mom and dad are getting divorced.
0: <laughs> yeah, and his, his jerk older brother, we, oh, we see a transformation in him. He goes from being like all sorts of standoffish to actually caring
1: yeah, he, over the
0: course of an hour.
1: Right, right. He goes from being in a relationship to checking out every girl that they happen to see. And like being really snobby and non-caring. And then all of a sudden like going off road and being like, this is awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet the screenwriters when they were wrote when they wrote about him thought something like, "Well, let's see. This movie's about nature and evolution and the process of nature. He's a young man. Let's bring in the puberty aspect. <laughs> He's going through puberty. He likes girls. Right. Write it." <laughs>
1: right. But in the end, his real nature is caring after his younger brother. Then they like run from the Indominus Rex which, you know, as for some reason I I'm just not scared when the Indominus Rex is like chasing these people. I don't, I don't know yeah. why I still am kind of frightened in the original Jurassic park, but
0: mm-hmm. in this
1: one, it's just like, Oh, okay. There's that CGI version of a T-Rex that they're going to get away from.
0: Yeah. It's, and, it's so true.
1: <laughs> and then they just jump off this like waterfall and have this like touching moment with like, we jumped, <laughs> we jumped. <laughs> We did it. Like, we jumped. We took the leap of faith. We're going to be okay. We're going to make it
0: through mom and dad's divorce. We jumped. (laughs) We can accomplish anything. I would imagine that Indominus Rex would follow them down the waterfall and eat them immediately.
1: (laughs) Especially when it zooms out, it looks like the height of the waterfall is about the same height as the Indominus Rex. So it could probably mostly step down.
0: Yeah, exactly. And this is, like, the most beastly of all the dinosaurs. Like, it kills Brontosauri (laughs) for fun. I think it would take the time and effort to kill two little running, you know, ape-looking creatures.
1: (laughs) And it apparently has an insatiable appetite because it is just constantly eating anything it can, including that really fat guy who's, like, eating a sandwich. (laughs)
0: Uh, Is this the... This is the worker who hides behind the, oh my God, that scene made me laugh. Um,
1: (laughs) Could you you set up the scene maybe for our our listeners if if they exist?
0: (laughs) So if you haven't seen the scene or you forget it, the Indominus Rex, they think is out of its cage. So they send some workers in its cage. Well, it turns out it's not out of its cage. It's camouflaged. And in the process of a couple of workers running out of the cage, it gets out. And one of the workers is an overweight man. And so the moment you see him on screen, you know he's going to die. And he gets out of the cage and he hides behind a car. like, And the Indominus Rex is like creeping around the car sniffing. And then it just sort of lifts up the car, leaving this guy sitting there by himself. And he looks over to Chris Pratt and he gives the weirdest look. It's <laughs> It's almost this look of like semi-melancholy semi like <laughs> well i guess i deserved this <laughs> Actually, and then, yeah. go ahead, and then go the ahead. thing just eats him just <laughs> destroys him
1: <laughs> it like chomps him from the waist up which is clearly the most weight on his body
0: <laughs> in my memory he's he might as well be holding a sandwich when he's sitting there <laughs> You're right. Why When you said the guy eating the sandwich, I immediately knew who you were talking about. Because earlier
1: when it first shows him, he is eating a sandwich. And then the next scene after they realize that the Indominus Rex is like gone, as he's like trying to figure out what's going on, he's still eating chips.
0: Yeah, something about that. Something about that. Just they they made that character in such a way where you just knew he was going to die. Right. I don't know how. You just. Right. Maybe because. That was maybe, yeah.
1: I was gonna say maybe because he's like the the one that looks the most like Newman. (laughs) (laughs) And so part of our unconscious at that point, I don't think that the creators of the movie actually thought this deeply. By the way, but part of our unconscious kind of wanted him to die just to relive the joy of Newman's death scene.
0: That's right. So for those of you who uh, are listening, if you've seen Jurassic Park one, you probably know what we're talking about. But in case you don't, Newman was. The guy who stole the embryos from Jurassic Park, named Newman because it was Newman from Seinfeld. His real name in the movie was Dennis Nedry.
1: Ned Ned but... Nedry, apparently. Apparently. Oh, Nedry. Nedry.
0: It sounds like Nedry, but it's N E D R Y. Okay, Dennis Nedry. <laughs> but everyone knows he's Newman. And Newman was also overweight and killed violently by a Dilophosaurus.
1: Yeah, Dilophosaurus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh is the bad guy in Jurassic Park. Um the only He single handedly
0: ruins people's lives. <laughs>
1: right? Leads to several deaths <laughs> and the yeah, shutting. Including down. his own.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. He uh accidentally goes off road in his Jeep where he's trying to rendezvous and get the embryos to Dotson, who is about to yeah. pay him like a million dollars for this <laughs> this science. Um he goes off the road, and he's stranded in the Dilophosaurus pit, and
0: mm-hmm. he ends up... How'd he get in there, by the way? I thought uh, these thing had fences. Yeah, he, like... He opens a gate for a shortcut? It well, doesn't matter. He's, he's going on this road, and
1: it's just pouring rain, and he can barely see, and he, like, his looks down at foggy. some point. Yeah, his glasses are really foggy, and when he looks up, he's, like, going off the road, and he just <laughs> screams, and then the car's stuck, so then he has to, like, try to get the car out of the situation... And over the course of four minutes, he goes from being caught in a storm to being brutally murdered inside his vehicle by a Dilophosaurus.
0: Yeah, first by being shot with a paralyzing goo, uh, and then presumably just ripped to shreds inside his own Jeep.
1: Right, right. After having slipped and fallen down a nearly vertical, like, waterfall (laughs) on rocks. And I I have to mention, my, my brother, after he listened to our first episode, wanted me to mention this. As he's slipping down, he looks... Really, really fat. <laughs> it's by, by far the fattest that he looks in that whole thing. And it's You're so right. So funny, and then he falls and just gets back up
0: without being injured. But You're his right. he glasses falls a are good gone. ten feet. <laughs> so he falls, and when he falls, it makes a cartoony slip sound like whoop, whoop which. I remember for years watching that and thinking there's no way they – there's no way they actually put that in the movie. (laughs) But they had to must be hearing things. Yeah, that's not – no one slips like that unless you're in Tom and Jerry or something.
1: Right, right. And actually the sound very closely mirrors the sound Newman himself makes when uh, Dotson in an early exposition scene meets him at this like restaurant in Costa Rica and he shows him how this like shaving cream like – contraption is going to somehow like house these embryos and keep them cold and newman is so excited that this is happening that he makes this noise that's like this weird high-pitched squeal yeah i can't even mimic it
0: yeah it's like a wheezing laugh he's so excited by how this how this barbasol shaving cream can (laughs) will keep embryos cold that he is so thrilled he's like (laughs) i can't even do it yeah i can't if i try oh there you but, go that's pretty good but that's uh, not even nearly as high i know it if was we so
1: can hard. if it's legal i'm going to insert the actual sound because i recorded it on my phone oh, it like... <laughs> and also because um uh, that sound sounds almost identical to a sound that raptors make and i'm not sure if it's like intentional but there's this wheezing like Hey, God, I can't even do it. It's not even close. But yeah, I think it's, it's when it's they like put a... the cow down into the raptor pit and they sound yeah. like this weird wheezing noise.
0: Man, gosh, that, that sound, it almost reminds me of like a very high-pitched and sped up sound of a pig squealing or something oh, that, like that. Oh, that's actually
1: really accurate. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs>
0: no, I like to think that maybe they just, one of the sound editors found this sound and was like, Hey, I really like that sound. And he just used it for Newman's laugh, for Newman's slip, and for the raptors. (laughs) Or Newman just made that sound and they were so
1: thrilled that that sound was made that they were like, Hey, let's use this for the raptors too. Yeah, that'd be a nice little sound. (laughs) And I'm actually, I I watched that sound clip scene probably eight times. And I'm still not sure whether it's Newman or like the pressure of that like <laughs> that shaving cream thing unleashing. I really want to think it's Newman, so I'm going to decide that that's what it is. But there is a chance that it is that like
0: <laughs> the pressure being you're, released. <laughs> you're so right. I've I've often always thought that as well too because they kind of happen in unison. Yeah, like, yeah. Because that can is pressurized and special by Dotson. By Dotson, We got Dotson here! (laughs) And then, of course, I like the way they did this, you know. So in Jurassic World, you had Hoskins who drank the the fun guy's soda just to prove he's a sociopath. But in Jurassic Park, the the original, to prove that Newman's a sociopath, he took the shaving cream, the menthol shaving cream, and put it on a slice of, like, cherry pie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And really,
0: really enjoys it. Yeah, he loves that part. And then sort of... Wipes his hand and makes Dotson pay for lunch.
1: Right. That was kind of a mean move. Um, Yeah. Don't get cheap on me, Dotson. (laughs) That's what he says. And then he's like really rude to John Hammond, like in one of their few scenes of actually interacting um, Mm -hmm. and basically insisting like, you don't pay me nearly enough for this. And like pretty much that's setting up his motive for this whole thing. Like he wants money. John Hammond hasn't given it to him. Yeah, th- so that's the mad. one
0: area. That's the one area where John Hammond did spare an expense. It appears. <laughs> spare no expense. <laughs> we yeah, spare so... no
1: expense, <laughs> except for Newman.
0: <laughs> yeah, spare no expense on anything except for Newman, Dennis Nedry's uh, salary, <laughs> and maybe Mister Arnold. But Samuel Samuel L. Jackson oh is clearly not as
1: good as a pro, of a programmer as. Dennis Nedry, yeah. Yeah. and he's more satisfied uh, uh,
0: uh.
1: <laughs> yeah you're right um, and the final uh, the final image of Newman 's death scene is that uh after he falls down that mountainside or whatever that that waterfall that shaving cream comes out of his pocket and you know he's he's removed from it, and the final image is just mounds of mud falling on it and burying it and I, I read a fun fact about. Jurassic World, that apparently Colin Trevorano was going to have the kids stumble upon that um, oh my bottle of shaving cream and, like, pull it up, which, gosh, I wish that he did it, because that would be such a great scene to snob about, because even in that four-second clip, it was completely covered, and apparently, like, 22 years have transpired since Dennis Nedry died, and... <laughs> There's just no way that that could possibly be found. So maybe that's the logic of taking it out. But just the fact that it was considered is truly remarkable.
0: That is really remarkable that they would even consider that. Because you're right. It was just gallons and gallons of cascading <laughs> mud just, like, covering this thing. Right. But if they had done it, I I wish that they had, um, like, the the kids find it. And they, like, when they find it, there's, like, a, like a background sound of Newman screaming. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Almost like the memory, the memory yeah, of what this caused. Yeah, the, the collective memory.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of many strange Newman sounds when he's dying via, uh, via Dilophosaurus. <laughs> it's like, ah, yeah. ah, oh, ah. <laughs> It's
0: a really <laughs> odd thing. It's upsetting, but kind of funny. You know, I think Jurassic Park, every Jurassic Park movie really uh, shines with its... Um, uh, what the heck do you call them? Sort of the assistant characters, not the main Oh, female.
1: yeah, yeah. Side characters. Some side or, uh, characters. <laughs> I don't know. They really, yeah. yeah. Archetypes, tropes, whatever you want to yeah. call them. Like, they're definitely not developed characters. No. Like,
0: stock characters. And, just because I was thinking of Jurassic World, and it made me think of the, the two Asians in Jurassic World, namely um, the Genetical Engineer oh, who yeah, was yeah. in Jurassic Park 1 and was a good guy but then sort of became a bad guy in Jurassic World. And then the Indian guy who I guess is the CEO of the park and just right, the, loves John Hammond's vision right. more than anything on Earth. He probably loves John Hammond's vision more than his kids. Right. <laughs> and he loves dinosaurs and thinks they deserve all of our respect, even though he's
1: like behind this like dinosaur zoo.
0: Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. you're right. This, this dinosaur zoo that is creating... Truly lethal <laughs> dinosaurs and meddling with nature.
1: And I have to point out that there is a third Asian who is probably my favorite of the three. And he's the guy who suddenly pops in. He's the leader of like the ACU unit that goes out to assassinate or not even assassinate the Indominus Rex. They go out to tranquilize it because they don't want to waste all the money. Oh, from that's it. right. And he leads this this group and they all just get slaughtered. And he only has one line, but, like, clearly when it shows him, we as the audience are like, okay, that guy's the leader. And he is. And then they realize that the Indominus Rex has outwitted
0: them, and he Mm -hmm. just screams,
1: it can camouflage!
0: (laughs) And then dies. (laughs) And then the the Rex just, like, eats him. Right. Destroys him. And then I think there's a quick uh, flash... To cut to, like, his his lifeline, like, his heartbeat, and it just goes flat line zero, like, that guy's now dead. <laughs>
1: exactly. Then they have, uh, they have cameras on all of their helmets, and there's, like, a quick cut to one of those cameras, and it just shows two feet, two legs being dragged across the ground, and you just hear a guy screaming. <laughs> and then a lifeline goes <laughs> flat. <laughs>
0: but, yeah. Oh my gosh. Gosh, boy. that's
1: ridiculous. Boy, oh boy. I think one of the questions since we've devoted a little time to Jurassic Park now is why is Jurassic Park so much better than Jurassic World?
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, because um... Jurassic
1: World's clearly recycling a lot of its archetypes and tropes as like and attempting nostalgia like even when they you know, stumble into that old lobby area and, like, that that piano music comes in suddenly. Like, doo, yeah. Doo, 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 doo. And, like, right when they go into the park, it's, like, the epic music.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it sort of gets you pumped up a little bit. Yeah, or
1: it's at least supposed to, except yeah. when that epic music comes in in Jurassic Park, it's right when it finally shows the, um, brach- the, bronti- the brachiosaurus. Yeah, the br- yeah, that's right, yeah. The first time it shows a dinosaur, and, you know, it's like and it's we feel so good and grant is odd and ellie is Mm -hmm. odd and even the lawyer is like we're gonna make a fortune
0: (laughs) that guy's gonna die
1: (laughs) except when that that scene is mimicked in jurassic world it's the doors of the park opening and it's just like a pyramid and a park that we've never seen and don't care about it's like where's the dinosaur who cares like i've never seen this before you can't match this nostalgic noise with, like, a new image. You have to, like, bring me back to that moment by showing the T-Rex or something, showing something epic, not just this, like, park. Yeah,
0: yeah, I thought the same scene, or the same thing. So the kids arrive in their hotel room, the young little squirrely kid opens the doors, and the camera just pans over the whole park, and it's playing this music, and it's supposed to be great, but it's so just... Unremarkable in every single way, and it's not yeah. exciting and it just looks like a like a little camera drone flying over a suburban mall or something like that, <laughs> you know, and right. it's just it's like this isn't cool, like this isn't neat, there's nothing exciting about it
1: yeah, there's and, nothing nostalgic about it <laughs>
0: no, they tried really hard, but right, and I was wondering about that, and I was wondering if if it's just. Does some of it have to do with the fact that before I even watched a scene in Jurassic World, I knew, like, exactly what was going to happen? But that's not the case with Jurassic Park. At least there's some mystery and some awe and some wonder that Steven Spielberg was able to create. But Jurassic World is just like, okay, dumb, dumb product placement, stupid joke. Like, weird character who's going to die. Weird character who we kind of like. Weird character who's never explained. Like, the French-African man. Where the hell he come from? you mean Chris Pratt's sidekick, yeah, Chris Pratt's sidekick, <laughs> who like whispers to
1: his favorite raptor, blue, <laughs> <He> says like <laughs> prayers to her, which may as well be the same prayers that like the African guy from Gladiator says <laughs> whenever
0: he's praying, that's right, and he buries the little the little figurines, <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's.
1: One one thing to point out about that guy before moving on, which is great, is his intro moment is right after Chris Pratt is like, you know, they show Chris Pratt and he clearly is like controlling these raptors and he's like, hey, hey, and like holding his hand out and staring him down and they're listening mm-hmm. to him and then he makes them run. And then that guy, that French African guy, comes out of nowhere, slaps Chris Pratt's hand and says something like, you finally got it. <laughs> or like, you finally did it. Like finally did what? Yeah.
0: They're like, "Hey, listen, we can't have this French African man come out of nowhere. We need to we need to show that these two have some rapport." So <laughs> right.
1: and that there's just... some background. They've been working on this scene for a while. <laughs> of the raptors listening to everything he says.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Uh, and then enter Hoskins and you know. <laughs> Yeah. Pro- yeah.
0: Enter Hoskins that Jerican
1: yeah, and then, like, the uh, the kid who just gets yanked in by a, a flailing pig. And...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Too bad that pig didn't have Newman squeal.
1: Right? <laughs> that might have been the closest throwback to Newman, is that pig running away from velociraptors.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he's he's pulled in. He's this 17-year-old scraggly little kid who's wearing a, a beanie. I mean, we're in the middle of the frickin' <laughs> – rainforest why are you wearing a winter hat you idiot yeah the
1: same aghast look on his face every time it shows him like he's just horrified
0: so stupid and And then then that's when chris pratt shines
1: yeah because chris pratt saves his butt and does that indiana jones roll to get under the you know closing gate and then what does he say to that kid he's like you're the new guy right Ever ever wonder why we needed a new guy <laughs> like implying that the last
0: guy got eaten by raptors. Yeah. <laughs> which I I really I really wonder if he did and if so they should have shown that. <laughs> they should have shown it and
1: probably shut down that program.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. If the previous guy was eaten by raptors, maybe you shouldn't have a tiny little like catwalk <laughs> over the raptor pit. Yeah, with a basically waist-high fence. Yeah, what was the point of trying to save like a twelve pound pig from four raptors? Just let the pig die.
1: Right, right. There's not much logic. And what's he gonna do, anyways? That kid looks really weak. So I think that if he's gonna
0: like rope it around the body and pull it up,
1: (laughs) he probably had about a half second window after catching it before the raptors reached it and slaughtered it. More than likely, pulled him in.
0: Oh my gosh! Oh, I love that scene. It's a great scene. Yeah, maybe
1: my favorite scene of the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's almost like the movie at its rawest. Because <laughs> everything everything else is just so plastered together.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have a, a jumping off point. Um, you know, we're kind of in the mind of comparing Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. And really, if you look at Jurassic World now, you can realize within three minutes that it's inferior in every way to Jurassic park because of the opening scene. I think the opening scene of Jurassic park is one of the scenes of that movie that I've seen least because usually, you know, it's on TNT and it's at least a half hour into the movie when I start watching, but <laughs> exactly. it's maybe the best scene of the movie where we basically have that British guy who yells shoot, shoot her, shoot her. Later and you know, clever girl. Um, I forget his name. Um,
0: yeah, he's oh, it's a good, it's a good name,
1: name, whatever it is. But mm-hmm. he's very serious all the time, and he wears yeah. short shorts and high
0: socks. Oh yeah, really, really high shorts. And so they're
1: transporting raptors, and something goes wrong, and then this African American man who is also transporting raptors slips and is dragged toward this like <laughs> this like <laughs> uh, cargo box or whatever cargo vault. And he's holding on to the side as apparently he's being dragged in by some, like, unseen horror. And then his body rises about ten feet in the air. <laughs> and he's still gripping and screaming as the British man is, like, holding on to his hand or something. Yeah, in some weird way. <laughs> in a weird way, like, clinging to his breast. And then this great zoom in just on his mouth twice as he yells, Shoot! Ha! But no one shoots, and then you see the hand in slow motion rip out of his grip, and then we fade into, like, Dr. Grant's paleontology site. Um, and then the opening scene of Jurassic World is an egg hatching. Oh. <laughs> For about three minutes. Wow. <laughs> it hatches,
0: opens, Gosh, and so then right. there's, like,
1: a mini eye of Sauron.
0: Yes, exactly. Little Sauron eye. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then it cuts to kids that we've never met and don't care about. Oh, no, yeah. sorry. It cuts to a foot stomping that's supposed to look like a dinosaur foot. And then they zoom out and it's a bird. And we're in just in a neighborhood like, oh, man, they still have traces of life. Oh, I'm Gosh. sorry. I just talked way too much. Maybe you could take it over for a bit, Matt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you're so right, though. Jurassic Park starts with some kind of – it sort of – it sort of establishes the conflict we're about to see like, okay, this is, this is no joking matter. This is, this is like nature versus nature. And then Jurassic world is just like, how do, how should, I, just, I, like, I often like to think of the meetings that went into certain decisions, especially for movies. Like, how should we begin it? And they probably thought of a thousand things. They probably actually thought of just redoing like, scene <laughs> for scene because you know, they had no better idea. Right, like, right. Let's have an egg hatch, right? That shows, like, life. Life will find a way. Remember? Ian Malcolm said that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we will show via a uh, red Sauron eye that something bad is coming. <laughs> It's like, we all know. That's why we're coming to this movie. Like, yeah, make exactly. it cool, at least, like the first one did.
0: <laughs> Man, you could easily just, like, just have, like, little captions under every scene of Jurassic World. Just, like, first scene, like, bad thing will happen. Bad thing will happen. And then, like, they show the kids in their snowy, snowy Midwestern house. And it's like, feel bad for these children, parents <laughs> getting divorced. and
1: Right. And they show Bryce Dallas Howard, who we still haven't talked about. And probably it's no, about right. it's about time to... And it's, you know, to say, this woman is stuck up and selfish, and she's going to have to become unselfish to become the hero or the heroine that she's always been meant to be. Um, And for some reason, she's going to continue wearing high heels throughout the whole endeavor.
0: (laughs) Yeah, slowly throughout the movie, she sheds layer after layer of clothing, which, if these filmmakers were clever, would have been, like, a metaphor for her shedding her self-centeredness, but I don't think they thought that far. But, like, (laughs) her jacket's gone, now her sweater's, like, around her waist, and now she's just down to her little gray tank top. She's just, like, had the movie gone on, like, another hour, she probably would have been naked, but, like... (laughs) Except for the heels. Yeah, except for the heels. These stupid heels, which, running through the mud, and somehow sprinting at high speeds, ch- getting chased by a T-Rex. Yeah, yeah, and heels. apparently fearless doing so. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, and just to make it clear to any of our listeners, if they exist, um, we, are, we are not sexist here at General Snobbery. We Mm-mm. wish to point out that Jurassic World is very sexist. and um, That is true. It wants you to think, at least for a little bit, that it's not sexist. Um, But there's a lot of contradictions implicit in it. Like, we have Bryce Dallas Howard who has this, you know, high-level position at Jurassic World. It's like, oh, okay, a female in, like, a real top position at this park. Cool. Mm -hmm. But she's immediately extremely unlikable. She's, like, got this really, like, blindingly white thing on this, uh, I don't even know, this uniform. And she's completely neglectful of these kids who Jurassic World is apparently telling us to sympathize with. And she doesn't care and basically it's kind of because of her that they end up like nearly dying at the helm of the most horrifying creature in existence. And then all of a sudden she just like is afraid and like, oh, we need to save them. And she's so scared. But at this point, she's so selfish that I only think that it's because she doesn't want her sister to get mad at her. And (laughs) like she has already demonstrated that she doesn't like these kids. And then she, you know, takes off her... Uh, uniform and like shows this cleavage which is like a classic Michael Bay move in a movie like okay this woman is now a heroine and she's hot and she's (laughs) like uh, has cleavage and and it's almost like the decision to keep the heels on which I read was actually Bryce Dallas Howard's decision or Hmm. at least she didn't fight it um, was an attempt to say like actually do, do you
0: what What is that an attempt to say? I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I wonder if, if it would almost be an attempt to say something like, see, look what a woman can do. Yeah, like see, that. look
1: what a 1950s housewife can do. Like, who mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> refuses to take off her heels, even as she's being chased by a... Like, I mean, come on. If she's running barefoot, then like, all right, nice. She's like going real badass here, like now they're doing stuff she's had a real change of character but sprinting in heels is just not intelligent so it's like okay they're pointing to like the fact that she's not really she doesn't have a realistic perception of the danger surrounding her and then she also apparently like had a date with Chris Pratt there's like a backstory that's really awkwardly inserted and then you know in the end they're together
0: yeah it's it's which is a by the way they stole that right from the movie speed if you remember The end of the movie, Speed. And uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, Sandra Bullock kind of decide to start a relationship. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, whatever. Like, because they
0: went through this, like, really rough, uh, high-stress situation. But, yeah, there's this whole stupid backstory with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard and how they went on a date and... They're all. They're always like snippy at each other, yeah. and he plays like the cool one, and and she kind of tries to be like condescending or whatever. And finally, they go on this date, but like something I was thinking about, sort of the role of Bryce Dallas Howard in this movie is there's almost a certain amount of like Chris Pratt's kind of the savior, and finally at the end they they kind of decide to like go on this date, which I feel I feel like kind of diminishes whatever attempt they tried to make to make her seem like a strong independent woman because it's sort of like okay now she's found her man or something right. like that yeah
1: who is like this awesome like badass man yeah they like subsume her to like that trope of the the woman in hollywood exactly. you know so that's this movie is so full of contradictions because it's like they're trying to convince you that they're commenting on these tropes and yet they're not doing anything to like change <laughs> them or better them it's just like hey look we're really aware of this and we're doing it. So let's it. put
0: it in there. <laughs>
1: right. So let's do this and not, like, critique it. <laughs> let's just, like, show it. You know, we have a we have a great mutual friend, uh, Matt and I, um, named Adam. And Adam once told me, when he told me how much he hated this movie, that this movie hates women.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> I mean, basically, we have... Um, Everything with Bryce Dallas Howard we just talked about, and then mm-hmm. the brutal murder of the British woman, which is the most unwarranted death, maybe in cinema yes. history.
0: Yeah, <laughs> out of nowhere.
1: And then, yeah, no other really big female characters.
0: No, there's the mom yeah, of the kids, there's... the played by Judy Greer, who oh, I okay. really appreciate. She's she's wonderful, uh, but she's she's essentially a cameo. Mm-hmm. Other than that. And then there's the kind of the the female version of the nostalgic guy in the control booth.
1: There's right, kind right. of
0: a thing between them, but she has a boyfriend and yeah. she's kind of nice, but, but really a negligible role in most ways.
1: Right. So I think we've really come to the central question of this film and that's like, what exactly is Jurassic World trying to do?
0: <laughs> that's a great question. I think because it's, it's uh, unfortunately a question that no one in the production of the movie ever even considered asking.
1: Right, right. Or if it came up, they came up with an answer within 10 seconds and didn't realize that there were about 20 conflicting answers that different people have come up with. And,
0: so they just tried to sew them all together.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah this is this is bound to come together. Like Steven Spielberg's producing this. <laughs> Colin Trevorano is directing.
0: So I saw a... This might lend some answer to that question. I watched a 10-minute behind-the-scenes making of Jurassic World, where a lot of the things we've talked about are discussed in the movie, including uh, Colin Trevorio's um, like favorite... Uh, his his use of animatronics, which, again, were not even in the movie, except for when the Brontosaurs are dead. And But basically, about the <laughs> first five minutes of the making of, the 10-minute making of Little Short was devoted to how everyone involved in the making of Jurassic World loved the original Jurassic Park. The actors being like, I remember watching this movie as a kid and I loved it and I wish I could be in that and look at what this did and Jurassic Park and John Hammond and Michael Crichton created these characters and blah, blah, blah. And so for about five minutes, they talk about how great Jurassic Park was. And then the next five minutes are them talking about like, uh, here's like a thing we tried to do and about two minutes of it is devoted to the scene when the pterodons are attacking are attacking <laughs> right. and Colin Travorian is like on a PA and he's like, Alright everyone, run These <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... are really dinosaurs. <laughs> exactly. Did you watch the same one? I did, with... yeah. It was yeah, great. and so nothing in the movie like even highlighted even made me think for a second that anyone involved in the movie had even the slightest notion that they were making something good. They were just like, listen, the original was great, and we're going to make this thing now.
1: (laughs) We're going to have some throwbacks to the original. And uh, really, another thing they kept insisting throughout that documentary is we want to reclaim the magic of that 93 movie. And like, we want to make adults feel like kids again. It's like, Why? And (laughs) what is the reason? Like, yeah, that's cool, but does that really... Is that why our contemporary society spends, like, billions of dollars? All right, not billions, but hundreds of millions. Yeah. And, um, boy, it... it, Yeah, that
0: doesn't make a good movie. Like, oh, (laughs) that's magical. It's like,
1: (laughs) Saving Private Ryan was great, so let's make a new war movie that tries to, like, really make people feel exactly like they felt during Saving Private Ryan again. <laughs> and let's spend $200 million doing it. Um, and then at no point in that documentary did they bring up the whole like allegorical layer of Jurassic World, that it's like allegorical for a Hollywood production. They're just all seemingly really stoked that they're doing this big Hollywood production because Chris yeah. Pratt's like, we kept looking at each other behind the set and being like, Can you believe we're even doing this? Can you believe this? This is unreal. We're making a new Jurassic Park. And and yet there's this layer that's like apparently either critiquing. I don't even know if it's critiquing it other than Mm -hmm. just like pointing it out. Like why?
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was. Yeah. It felt like the blind leading the blind. I mean. I don't feel like anyone had any concept of why they were making this movie, except for that some executives were like, listen, you make this, we're going to make millions. Right, I, and they I think did. think that's what it, they did, yeah. I mean, also, hundreds the Hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions. The amount of product placement in this movie blew oh, me away.
1: My. Oh, my. Every, I mean. I like immediately the little, think of Verizon
0: Wireless and Coca-Cola like uh i think uh, there's a jimmy buffett restaurant i think yeah apparently jimmy buffett is even in the movie he has a cameo
1: there's like when the pteranodons are going crazy there's a quick clip of a guy grabbing two margaritas and running away and i I read that that actually is jimmy buffett
0: damn i'll tell you what this movie i wouldn't have a bad thing to say about this movie if instead of the british woman getting killed by the pteranodons (laughs) the Pteranodons had picked up Jimmy Buffett and, <laughs> and someone in the movie yelled, oh my God, the Pteranodons have Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> and then they dropped him <laughs> into the Mosasaur pit <laughs> and then he was eaten. That, I wouldn't yeah. have a bad thing to say, about that movie, that scene would have redeemed everything about this movie.
1: I completely agree. And especially if like Jimmy, Bur- Jimmy Buffett's restaurant chain is called Cheeseburger in Paradise. And what if like a big banner that looks just like the banner from Jurassic Park that said Cheeseburger in Paradise, like, fell as the Mosasaurus was eating Jimmy Buffett. (laughs) You're right, that would gain
0: all my respect. Absolutely. (laughs) God. They were so close. (laughs) Yeah, they were so close. Why didn't you people think about any of this stuff? (laughs) So, Jurassic World clearly has no idea what kind
1: of movie it wants to be. It just made a lot of efforts to convince people, A, that it's... Smarter than you would think, even though it's mm-hmm. not, and B that um, it's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a great movie. Yeah, when, everything.
1: When it came out, that's what everyone said, like oh my gosh, it's so good. It really lives up to the hype, and like you feel like the you're watching the first movie again. It's like they I really think that when you get two hundred million dollars to make a movie, you can convince the American population that that's true.
0: yes you're so right
1: (laughs) just spend spend 10 grand convincing a big newspaper to write a
0: review that says that (laughs) (laughs) you're right basically we just boiled this down to it just being a propaganda machine
1: (laughs) yeah it's like the money machine trying to convince us that it's critiquing itself even though it's not (laughs) it's propelling itself
0: gosh that's so true yeah there was nothing magical about it it didn't really (laughs) It didn't relive any of the original Jurassic Park stuff. Even the numerous, dozens and dozens of attempts to to throw back to the original just fell completely flat and were so stupid and out forced of place, forced and awkward. Forced and awkward. And I think the yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, the the only throwback that was kind of funny was the little DNA guy that we saw for half a second.
1: Yeah, yeah. We should have
0: seen him for more.
1: Definitely. And the hologram of the Dilophosaurus that the raptor, like, sees and is kind of, like, trying to battle with, but then it, like, wraps around. That's right. And I heard that that hologram came straight from Newman's death scene. They actually took, like, I don't know, the, the data or the CGI and, like, made it a hologram so it's, like, the same motions.
0: Damn. Again, yeah. I, you you might be thinking <laughs> what I'm thinking, but I wish they had just had a hologram of the whole death scene. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or just Newman on repeat making his weird noises. <laughs> yeah, what did,
0: There should have been like a virus in the computer system of Newman's face going, ah, ah, ah. Because right?
1: those are the parts we really love. Or like a hologram of Samuel L. Jackson's really fake paper mache arm falling out of some crevice of like the yes. the control room and falling on Laura Dern, which is yeah. one of the best parts.
0: That is one of the best parts. We're going to eventually of course do a full just Jurassic Park episode yeah. because uh, there's so much to do in there. Oh, and, um, but you're right. There should have been like in Jurassic World, there should have been a museum and it was like the original Jurassic Park. Here are things that we found after we sort of reclaimed the island and it would have been like, this was Mr. Arnold's arm that was, the rest of his body was eaten. You know? This was the, the, the khaki shorts we found from the British guy who was killed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, here's Newman's glasses. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh, boy. That, that arm deserves an episode on its own. Because apparently, just real quickly in that scene, Laura Dern is like turning the power off right or is she turning it back on yeah. she's turning the power restarting back on. something yeah. yeah because it's gone down because of newman um <laughs> and it goes back on she's happy and a velociraptor appears out of nowhere like against a mm-hmm. fence she's screaming running away horrified she backs up against a wall and samuel l jackson's arm falls and lands on her shoulder and she's really comforted <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're right. She like has the sigh of like the look that someone has oh, after they complete God. a marathon. Like, oh <laughs> right. thank God. Right. That that though... Velociraptor's three feet away from me, but at least your arm has just touched my shoulder.
1: Even though my back is against a wall <laughs> and I came here pretty much knowing that you're dead because you have stopped <laughs> responding and you never came back. And you're nowhere like in this like pathway of where you should be. <laughs> It's like, You're oh, right. you've
0: been hiding. Thank You're God. Right. Man. I really wonder. I like to think, I mean, how did that arm, how'd that arm get back behind those cables to the, the velociraptor put it back there did it accidentally <laughs> fling it back there? Yeah. Like two velociraptors were fighting over this last bit of meat
1: and somehow the they the, the yanked it in such a way that it flew in this tiny crevice in the wall. It was laid upright so that any subtle vibration against the wall would make it come down perfectly hand first and literally latch onto any shoulder because she comes out of
0: the wall and it's still gripping her. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I, I remember seeing that scene for the first time and being kind of horrified as a kid thinking like oh my god he is dead the rest of his body is gone just his arm remains but now whenever i watch that scene it's just it's so delightfully fun
1: yeah yeah it's like why is that arm like glowing why is (laughs) it reflecting
0: light he sweated a lot right before he died
1: (laughs) why is it like a slightly lighter version of samuel jackson's skin complexion (laughs) yes it's
0: like when you see plastic fruit and you can tell from a distance that it's fake because it's (laughs) shining That's just what his dead arm was like.
1: Right, right. Um, so this might be the key of why Jurassic Park is so much better than Jurassic World. Like, boy, I have so much fun talking about the, – like the two most fun scenes I think to talk about through, that we've talked about throughout this podcast have been Newman's death scene – Oh, no, the three most. Newman's death scene, the first scene of Jurassic Park, and then Samuel L. Jackson's death
0: scene. You're right. All of which are death scenes, by
1: the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like in Jurassic World, yeah, there's a fun death scene when the fat guy gets eaten.
0: Uh, <laughs> but like the other ones are just kind of awkward and yeah. difficult to watch. Um, a death scene should either make you sad or make you laugh.
1: I think and in the universe of Jurassic Park, it should definitely make you laugh.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that they killed the lawyer first, because we Mm -hmm. want him to die.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it was a great death scene. And even that death scene, it's like, wow, this is well done. And I wouldn't want to be him. Yeah, he's sitting on a toilet, like, praying or something. Mm -hmm. He just gets eaten. Not even even going to the bathroom. Yeah. His, His shorts are up. His shorts
1: are up. And he's been such a, like, bummer throughout the whole movie. Like, he's really lame. He's always, like, got the mentality that... Grant and Malcolm don't have. And he even he even like bullies that kid to put away his night fishing goggles because he says they're expensive. That's,
0: That's right. So mean. Are they heavy? He's so mean. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then he just leans his head back and goes back to sleep.
0: <laughs> All right,
1: That's so right. kids are better. Uh, Richard Attenborough is in it, who's way better. Mm-hmm. Uh, better characters. Immediately when you see Grant, you like him, except immediately when you see... Bryce Dallas Howard, you don't like her in Jurassic no. World.
0: Yeah, and and with Chris Pratt, you don't you don't like him. The, medi- the minute you see him, you think I'm supposed to like this guy <laughs> right. because This because he is has cool. a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like he makes fun little quips. Yeah, and, and he has a golf driving. He hits golf balls from his little shack. What the hell? Yeah. It's really and stupid. He's
1: always scowling.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He either has a skull or some kind of like semi-attractive little smirk.
1: Right, right. Or some very, very studied pose as he turns around in an elevator and like puts one shoulder lower than another, basically a
0: modeling for himself. <laughs> Maybe the movie. You're right, Sean. You said it earlier in the podcast. You said this movie was was essentially a way of saying Chris Pratt is now a Hollywood star, yeah. and that's really, I think, what it was.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're like, we gave him a couple million dollars, so. Now, when he's in a movie, it's a big deal. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Um, Boy, I feel like... um, I feel like there's very little left to say, except probably a whole lot left to say.
0: Yeah, every single scene could be its own episode, because every scene is just multi-layered dumb.
1: Yeah, yeah. So any, any... final comments on Jurassic world Matt
0: um yeah I feel like I'm watching a cartoon and I have I feel absolutely no connection with any character at all um I I mean often we'll refer to characters by their real actor's name (laughs) when we talk about movies but this one I feel like it's all the more appropriate because I feel no connection to the characters and uh It has such a saccharine, stupid, little sweet ending of like, ah, a little relationship's going to start, and now the kids are happy, and maybe hundreds of people were just brutally eaten by animals.
1: And the T-Rex reigns supreme.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course.
1: (laughs) Yeah, nostalgia wins.
0: Nostalgia frickin' wins. So remarkably dumb.
1: Yeah, but really what wins is a good movie, and Jurassic Park is a good movie, and Jurassic World is not. Um, Colin Treverani-Banabimbo needs to take a lesson from Steven Spielberg's pacing. That was the key thing and my final point that struck me as the difference between these two. Jurassic Park is expertly paced. Um, exposition comes in when you need it to, when you're curious, True. when enough like death and destruction and craziness has happened. and We're ready for it and all the characters are streamlined toward the same event. Whereas there's this like myriad of motives and events in Jurassic World of like Hoskins wanting these Velociraptors for like the <laughs> U.S. Army and these kids wanting to like overcome their parents' divorce and like all these different signals going so many different ways. Like the Indominus Rex gets out and then it cuts to a scene where the little kids just crying because his parents are getting divorced. Like when the T Rex gets out and. Jurassic Park, everything is about the fact that a T-Rex is loose and they're all about to die. And that's wow. the key conflict. Like, it takes an extra, like, ten minutes for people to realize that, that Antonis Rex is loose and this is a bad thing. And God. it just doesn't work for pacing.
0: No, you're right. That's a great way to put it. Jurassic World is so bad. There's no continuity between scenes. There are, like, eight different plots happening. And it's just... They just really desperately... No, they didn't even hope that it would come together. They just knew that it would make money and right. that's all that. That's all that they cared about.
1: And there's no rain. That's key. The storm in Jurassic Park and then there's a storm in both of the other Jurassic Parks and it's key. You're right. It's key for the setting and this one's just like a sunny day. And then right. like, it's night. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, god, oh, you got to have a storm. That's the key for Jurassic Park nostalgia. Is that like it's pouring outside.
0: Wow. It almost makes me think that the makers of Jurassic World watched Jurassic Park once, <laughs> and maybe, then maybe in ninety three. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then Wikipedia dinosaurs that weren't used in Jurassic Park.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, now, yeah, I think maybe. Uh, Sean, uh, if you wouldn't mind a maybe a fun way to end this one would be to just if you uh would like to read a couple of the notes that you took when you watched Jurassic World. So
1: Oh, jeez, yeah.
0: The other day yeah. Sean watched Jurassic World and took some notes and and there were some pretty fun ones.
1: Yeah, according yeah. um to the documentary, the 10-minute documentary, it was uh f- the fully functional park was meant as wish fulfillment on the part of the f- the filmmakers. Um As if when we were watching Jurassic Park, everyone in the country was like, Man, I really wish that that was a real place I could go to. I'm thinking, wow, good thing that that happened so that no one ever had to go back. (laughs) Um, Let's see. You're right. People died.
0: I can't wait for them to build the real thing.
1: (laughs) Uh, In the control room, we have a throwback guy who's clearly comic relief only which is a big pet peeve. Uh, Why such unlikable heroes? There is an Indian guy in a helicopter who is compassionate for animals, and he is apparently the owner, and he loves John Hammond. He is the eighth richest man in the world.
0: Um... They describe him almost not at all. We just know he's Indian and wears nice suits and can fly a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. And I've, and when he died by the helicopter crashing in the aviary, I was almost like, wait, did he die? Yeah, that <laughs> Then he's just gone. And uh, let's see.
1: There is a brief conversation between the aunt and the mother. And the mother says, when you have kids. And the aunt says, yeah, if. And then the mother goes, um, when. <laughs> <laughs> to, I'm not sure. Insert some kind of backstory, and uh, oh boy, I think that's about. Uh, yeah, that's about all I got.
0: <laughs> so, Jurassic World, badly paced and um not well thought out, but uh, fun, bankrolled big time, and so therefore it was made, and I bet they'll make another one.
1: Yeah, and I hope they do because boy, it's, it's a it's a fun movie, and <laughs> I will quite likely watch it at any point I can from here on out. Same. But I will always choose to watch Jurassic Park over it.
0: Me too. I get excited when Jurassic Park's on TNT.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just get excited to snob when Jurassic World comes on. Same. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> listeners, if you exist, thank you for for some reason coming this far with us. We uh, love you dearly, and we hope that you enjoyed our snobs.
0: And um, thank you, and uh, stay tuned for more.
1: A feeling my life's been shaken. Out of control It's arising from the depths of meaning i never know There's a feeling that shines In the front of my mind I'm gonna speak it out at the fireside And in the morning Will I be snopping the whole way home